Please join me in the word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the singing, Lord God, and the songs that were chosen by the band, Lord God. I pray for blessings for them. I pray for um, for all of them, Lord God, for taking the time and just um, trying to get our hearts ready to meet you in this message of yours. Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit, Lord God, that are in your people. I pray that he will be the one to give them the clarity of whatever it is that you want everyone to know. And I pray, Father God, for that soul that you've called to be a part of your family. I pray that this will be the evening that they will yield to you. And I pray for my brother and my sister, Lord God, that still needs to yield in obedience to you, Father God. Let this be the message, Lord God, that wakens them up. We pray for your blessing, Lord God, and I pray that you override my preparations, Lord God. Let you and you alone speak to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if our slides are ready or is ready, maybe. Okay, another song, please. <laughs> Great job, Dustin. Praise God. Amen. Let's uh, thank Jamie later for preparing Dustin for today. <laughs> <laughs> and Mikey. Uh, I titled our message, This is Your Final Warning or Else. So if you're a parent, you've probably said this many times. And if you are married, you're probably still saying this every now and then. If you're in a relationship, you probably heard this or has given this statement, an ultimatum. right? Because out of your irritation or your anger, you're up to here with that person. So your patience is just gone. So don't say amen if you're sitting right next to your spouse, because that's just going to give it away. <laughs> We're going to continue. So <laughs> Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23, let everybody read this with me. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such, there is no law. Again, after we are done with this book, we, will be able, we should be able to memorize this passage. Amen? Amen. So tonight we're going to be tackling long-suffering. I have this picture here. And if you are, if you love flowers, you probably know what this is. Apparently, this is a popular flower. It's called impatience. The impatience flower. <laughs> what a name, impatience flower. You know, as much as you want to give this to your spouse, you can't. Because this flower is named impatience because the moment you touch it, it will explode. And it will spread its seeds in the far distance and then several yards away and then it'll, for it to bloom again. But if anybody touches this, it will just that's why, hence the name impatience, the impatience flower. See how this picture illustrates the need for long suffering. An important fruit of God's Spirit. This is the fourth, fourth among the fruit of the Spirit, which is a wonderful quality. And it's the, the word alone tells you, if you guys want me to end now, this is the long and short of the message. Long suffering means you're going to suffer long. 
Let's close in prayer. <laughs> you're, not that, you're not that blessed tonight. You're going to continue. Those two English, there's two English words, patience and long-suffering. And they're both closely related to the word endurance. Most important and fascinating is learning about the two corresponding Greek words in the New Testament. One Greek word, I'm going to give it a shot. I know you guys know I'm not good at this, but I always try. So that should count for something, right? Hopomone. <laughs> that is translated patience in almost all Bible versions and implies patient endurance. The other Greek word, which is Galatians 5.22, is <clears throat> makrotumia. I think I got it. Makrotumia. All right. It means macro, which is where we get the word prefix macro, means large or long. And the root word thomas or tumus, which is temper. So it says long tempered. Instead of everybody here, which are all short tempered. Amen? <laughs> okay, fine. It's just me. I'm short-tempered. I have a short fuse. So this is what you say, long-tempered, long fuse. Without macrotomia, we human beings tend to be temperamental, which is mostly most Filipino men, I think. Having an irritable temperament and bad temper, we tend to lose patience and lose our cool. Or, just like the impatience flower, we tend to blow up. We'll focus primarily on that word tonight. And I have three things for us to discuss. The three ways of long-suffering. I have our first point as God's long-suffering towards us and our, our long-suffering towards others. And then the last point will be our long-suffering towards God. Amen? Okay, we'll try to get that done in 10 minutes. Okay, I know because you guys don't have long suffering. No. Second, to, Second Peter 3.9 and Psalm 145.8. It describes our Lord and His long suffering towards us. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Psalm 145.8 reads, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. If we all look back to our lives before we accepted Christ, we will all remember the many times that we said no to Him, to His gift of salvation, and how we actually acted towards that person that was sharing the gospel to us. If we're all going to look back and with an honest eye, we're going to see that our lives wasn't glorifying to God and our, our demeanor and our attitude towards other people wasn't glorifying to God. But we are grateful because God was long-suffering, was patient enough to not take us at that moment or before the time that we accepted Christ. Because if you've accepted Christ, you know that if that didn't happen, you know where you're going to spend your eternity in. Amen? And God is so good. God is so good that even now, that us believers, even though we know so many things about the Lord and all His ways and His will for us, 
if we're all going to be honest, we still tend to be disobedient to His Word. Somebody say amen. Well, praise God that He is long-suffering. He is long-suffering for us. It reminds me of this story of this husband and wife who are celebrating the morning of their 20th wedding anniversary. So the wife, uh, she belongs to a family, a very powerful family in the Philippines. And she is married, uh, her, her dad was a judge, so a very powerful judge. So the husband woke, wakes up and starts looking in the ceiling. And the wife says, honey, what are you thinking of? Are you okay? Is everything okay? Happy anniversary. And the husband goes, yeah, I'm just thinking about that, 20, that, that moment 20 years ago. And she goes, yeah, do you remember which part? And he goes, do you remember that the reason why we got married? Because your dad caught us kissing in, uh, in, in the car. And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I do remember. And do you remember that your dad pulled the shotgun and, and pointed at me and, and he said, you know, if you're not going to marry my daughter, I'll send you to jail. And then she goes, oh, yeah, sweetheart, I, I remember. What's your point? And he goes, I would have been out by now. <laughs> so he regrets, right? Jail time would have been easier for him. He's contemplating at that day. <laughs> that is long suffering. Amen. For most of us, for most of us, the decisions that the relationships that we have seems to be long suffering. Long suffering. It could be us that's the source of that suffering, or we could be the beneficiary of that person that we are with that is long-suffering for us. But God's long-suffering for us, make no mistake about it, we are the benefactory of that. We receive the benefits of it. John 16.33 reads, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. I know we tackled this, we, I shared this last week when we talked about peace. But here we see that Jesus gives us the warning ahead of time. Jesus tells us the warning ahead of time. And for me, I feel like whenever I'm told right away on what to expect, no matter how uh, gruesome or bad what the, the warning is, I'd rather be warned ahead of time because it, at least I get mentally prepared for whatever they're telling me to do. Just like when you ride the plane. Don't you love it when you take the plane? And the first thing they say before you take off, just in case we crash, <laughs> things will fall down from the ceiling, put it on, and that thing that you're sitting on, you're going to float with that in case we fall on water. And don't you, well, if you're like me, I'm taking my Benadryl. I'm like, Lord, help me. If you take my soul before, you know, it's, it's scary, but at least you're prepared, right? At least you're prepared. And this is the same thing that Jesus did here. And he reminds us that in him, we have peace. That's why the fruit of the Spirit is all connected. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Right? Because with, despite the long-suffering that we experience, we should have peace in Jesus, knowing that he has conquered it for us. Amen? You know how fighters and soldiers train? They don't train in peace mode. 
They don't train in a very flat terrain with no clear, with a clear obstacle. They are trained in difficult obstacles, dirt, barbed wires. They need to crawl. They're shot at. Fighters are punched and hit. They're getting prepared for the battle that's ahead of them. Us believers, for some of us, we have bought into this notion that Christianity is a day in the playground. Forgetting the fact that it is a lifetime in the battlefield. That's why when we walk out of our churches and then we get attacked, we're like, Oh my gosh, why is this happening to me? I thought God loved me. There's a battle out there. The enemy is busy. He's on a full court press. The orange team knows about full court press after yesterday. <laughs> the enemy is on the full court press. Busy. Busy to attack us and to make sure that we fall and be discouraged and not be useful for God's kingdom. But he is long-suffering, patient. Ever so patient for us. And despite our many failures, day in and day out, minute after minute, this is what Jesus had to say during that time up in the cross. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. We are, today is Palm Sunday. This is the time when Jesus came in on a donkey getting ready to be sacrificed as the lamb for our sins. Jesus suffered on the cross for us. To have, for us to have that life now, a, a fruitful life now with him and for eternity. Rather than death. Jesus knew the intensity of the pain that he was going to suffer on the cross. But despite that, Despite that, he still went through with it. It was so stressful for him that to a point that he stressed and he started bleed, uh, sweating with blood. Pointing a great stress point. But despite that, he still went through with it. The reason that Jesus was sent here is because of God's love. But because of that love came long-suffering. Very long-suffering. Up to now, God is long-suffering for us. He's patient with us. Even though we don't deserve it. Considering this, consider this scenario here. This is when the Jewish accusers of him were mocking Jesus while he was on the cross. After going through the brutal Roman soldiers... The crowd who called for Jesus' crucifixion and for the thief to be released, the criminal to be released, and for the innocent man to be crucified. And there's a mixture of secret followers and curious onlookers watching Jesus suffer on the cross. Despite all that, Jesus' statement here, he says, forgive them. Forgive them for they don't know what they do. I don't know if there is any other love and long-suffering that you ever see and grace that can match to this. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Which brings us to the second point. 
Our second point is our long-suffering toward other people. Meaning, long-suffering for us means this. We need to be forgiving. The only way that we can be truly long-suffering for other people is that we are forgiving towards them. I have three Proverbs here and one James. And it shows you what, how, what Jesus wants from us, what God wants from us. If we are to become like Him, this is what long-suffering is. People with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Sensible people control their temper. They even earn respect. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You've probably heard of the good advice to stop and count to ten, right? And take some deep breaths rather than lashing out with your words that you'll regret. Words that will escalate the conflict rather than make peace. We've heard of that, correct? But it's next to impossible. Truly, the first step of long-suffering is to exercise restraint and do nothing. We must think first, what does God want me to say or do? If your feelings are hurt and you feel the need to immediately say something, speak softly and don't say anything to hurt back. Somebody say amen. amen. <laughs> this relates to anybody who's in a relationship. If you're a parent, that's for you. If you're a child, that's for you. If you're a husband, that's for you. If you're a wife, that's for you. If you're an employee and an employer, a customer and a business person. It's the same thing. It all goes for us. We're all charged this. If we are a believer of Christ, the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. And the only way for us, for the Holy Spirit to produce that, is if we are walking by the Spirit. So the first things first. If you are not walking by the Spirit, there's no way that the Spirit can produce this fruit in your life. So you must, must ask yourself, why am I not walking with the Spirit? If you are still the old you that is quick to lash out words, and more importantly, if you are not forgiving. Long-suffering requires forgiveness. Other than restraint, it requires forgiveness. Remember the parable of the unforgiving servant. He was forgiven because he owed his master X amount of money, which is plenty, too much for him to be able to pay. But his master gave him grace. But when he saw his, his, his co-servant that owed him a little, he choked him and then had him thrown in jail. We forget that if we are to this, if we don't deserve the long-suffering from God, but yet we get it, we are to give long-suffering to others. We are not just the benefactor of this. We are to also give this out. 
And another Bible verse here, another proverb. A soft answer turns away wrath. Harsh word stirs up anger. I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. If you're in a relationship, you know. A tone can change things around. A tone can turn tables upside down. Then take, we need to take as much time as we need to pray and plan regarding the wise and constructive way to approach the other person. Our goal should be to act lovingly for us to react in a loving way rather than reacting in a hateful way. When a person is too concerned about winning an argument, you could lose a friend. You could lose a spouse. Our relationships are gifts from God. It's a gift from God. Whether you believe that or not, it is. Blessed is he who finds a wife. And before you think that you're, you're, you're too deserving of your wife, if your wife makes, you, you tell your wife, you know what, I don't like how you make bad decisions. She'll tell you, you're the first one of those bad decisions I've made. <laughs> so be careful. Be careful of those words before you lash it out. Because you might just not like what you are going to get in return. Christians are to long suffer in this life. Jesus already told us. And even, it doesn't mean that a believer is a believer and will be respectful to you all the time. Actually, we are most of the time. We are the most difficult people to deal with. I don't know why that is, but most of the time, the unbelievers, for some reason, because they have to act in such a moral code, a very thin moral code, because they think if they don't match this moral code, they're not going to make it to heaven. So they act properly, they speak properly, they live properly, thinking because they need it to go to heaven. And then on the other side, the Christians, they know that it's not what I do, it's what Christ did on the cross. So I'll just be my old grumpy self and rude self. We're so good in asking for grace. We're so good in asking for forgiveness. We're not good in giving it. We just want to receive it. But we are to be changed. Amen? We are to be changed. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 to 13, it's the header there is character of the new man. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Long-suffering is virtually the opposite of anger, especially of outbursts of wrath. That's in 2 Corinthians 12.20. When a traffic light turns green, some drivers will impatiently honk their horns if you are on your Facebook while you're on the traffic light. <laughs> because you didn't go right away. They lost two seconds in their life. What are you thinking? Beep. That happened to me in California. <laughs> California Avenue. <laughs> 
<laughs> no long suffering there, right? Our long suffering, our patients are mostly tested in our driving. Even worse is the epidemic of road rage and cursing and actual violence while driving. You know, a lot of American drivers don't know the traffic in the Philippines. It does help for time to time, my advice for my American friends to travel to the Philippines <laughs> and actually rent a car and drive. <laughs> you will appreciate the traffic that you call traffic here because traffic there is something that doesn't move. A 15 hour travel, a 15 minute travel will become a two hour travel because of the traffic. You will then appreciate it. Many people tend to overreact. They quickly get on the defensive. They interpret remarks as attacks and they strike back. Many people carry out an inner anger from their past. Every small hurt or annoyance adds to the storehouse of anger that they're holding in. The slightest provocation brings the anger to the surface and into the open. Anger usually involves a spiteful attitude of retaliation and revenge. But God forbids this. Bless those who persecute you. Repay no one evil for evil. Do not avenge yourselves. That's Romans 12, 14, Romans 12, 7, Romans 12, 19. The Bible teaches mercy and forgiveness. People tend to excuse their anger, but most human anger is self-centered and sinful. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That's James 1.20. Hardly anyone will admit to hating people. Nobody would like admit it. That's why on Facebook, there's no dislike button. Once Facebook puts the dislike button, that's when Facebook will crash. <laughs> but the Bible defines love and hatred largely by people's actions. Love is expressed through helping people, while hate is demonstrated through harming people. Make no mistake about it. There's no other way to put it. If people are loving, they will see it. They will express it. And love comes, love comes long suffering. Let's look at this. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-5. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. This is always recited in, in weddings. But we're too caught up with the tears. Like, oh my gosh, my sister's getting married. What is he thinking? <laughs> love suffers. We miss that part. Part of love is suffering. Is there any other way to put it? Anybody that is loving is patient. You can't call yourself patient if you're not loving. And Luke 6.45 reads, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. 
You can't give what you don't have. And everything that comes out of you is because it's in your heart. If you have Jesus in your heart and you are walking by the Spirit, you will produce, not you, the Holy Spirit will produce in you long-suffering, patience. Patience that is above what you have been doing. Iron sharpens iron, right? We, I shared this yesterday. And you don't sharpen an iron by rubbing it the right way. You rub it in the opposite direction. You're basically rubbing it the wrong way. Churches, you suffer long for me, hopefully, as I suffer long for you. Somebody say amen. All right. Whew. All right. Paul described the behavior of love. Love suffers long and is kind. It does not behave rudely. We read it here. Love is patient. Love is kind. Our thoughts and attitudes are likewise important, as they are the source of our actions and words. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. Therefore, we should honestly examine our attitudes. We should always come to Jesus, come to God in our prayer with all honesty. If there is any hatred that we are holding on to towards other people, we need to confess that to God and ask that we produce the fruit, that the Holy Spirit produce the fruit of long-suffering in our lives. This is the only way our relationships will work. You know what? If you don't want to suffer long in your marriage, what will you do? You'll get a divorce. Before God would have been prepared, because God, God hates divorce. God will always be there for you. And God, there is nothing impossible for Him. But before He can even repair your marriage because you're impatient, you're not long-suffering, you're not long-suffering, then what happens? You leave it before God can mend it. You leave it before God can mend it. And then if you think about it, it was your impatience that got you marrying that person anyway. It wasn't God's best for you, but you forced it. Now you want out from it? Our impatience, our, our lack of our quick, our microwave generation. I'm just waiting for the fastest microwave <laughs> ever invented. <laughs> I find it one minute now is too long. I'm just way too spoiled here in America now. With a popcorn in, what, three minutes? In the Philippines, it'll be burnt before it's done. And you waited for 30 minutes for nothing. Here in America, everything's so easy. But yeah, we're so spoiled. We forget. You know, I, I asked for permission from her and she said yes, so. My wife had her hair rebonded in the Philippines. <laughs> so if you, for, for the men that don't know, this is the first time you're going to hear it, I'll explain it to you. I only know because Annalou gets it done. So rebonding is when they straighten the hair. It's for those people who don't like their curly hair, so they want straight hair. And it's the process, as Annalou told me, it's five hours. Long-suffering. Five hours. Talk about long-suffering. That's five hours on the normal process. So she did it in the Philippines because it's cheaper there. Okay, Everything's cheaper there if you're from here. Five hours. 
And guess what happened to Anna Lou? Half of her hair was already rebonded. Power went out. <laughs> Power went out. There's no turning back for her now. She has to wait two hours in the shop to get her other half done. <laughs> so it became a seven-hour rebonding session. I don't know about you, but uh, 10 minutes with my barber, I'm, I'm already like, yeah, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> Just side back, come on, a little bit here, a little bit there. What the heck? What's taking so long? Folks, the relationships that we are in, God placed us in there. Don't be too impatient to get out of it, if you're, especially if you're lifting up to God. Especially if it's up to you. The Bible says if it's up to you, make peace. Amen? And we are told to, to long suffer for the Lord, for His glory. Any relationship, no matter how difficult, parents to your children, children to your parents. The hard thing is, when you don't see eye to eye, that is when conflict starts. But we need to examine our attitudes and lift it up to God and ask for God's guidance and for the Holy Spirit to produce this fruit of long-suffering in our lives. And to our last point, our long-suffering towards God. Oops, all right, I'll pick it up later. Waiting for others is a test of our patience and an opportunity to build patience. And the Bible has so much to say about our need to wait on God. We want God to solve all of our problems right now. But God knows the best timing. He often tests our patience and perseverance before answering our prayers. Somebody say amen. The prayer warriors know this more than anybody in this church. Because there are many times that we have been praying for many of you to turn your life around. But we're still waiting for that prayer to be answered. But we know it's in God's perfect timing. If you're a parent, you know what this prayer is. If you're married, you know what this prayer is. When the Bible mentions waiting... Patience, perseverance, or long-suffering, it is often in connection with trusting in God to intervene for us in our need, as He will surely do. Isaiah 40, 31 reads, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with the wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen? Uh, do, we know, do, do you know the Chinese bamboo? Do you know that the Chinese bamboo begins as a nut, like a, a walnut, the size of a walnut? And that nut, nut has to be planted in soil and watered and fertilized every day, every day for five years before it breaks through the ground, meaning... <laughs> Here's your neighbor watering the ground every day for five years. And if you don't know he's watering the Chinese bamboo and you don't know the principle and the procedure of it, you're thinking, what the heck's wrong with you? Why are you wasting water? And you're like, oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm feeding and I'm fertilizing my Chinese bamboo. What Chinese bamboo? That's dirt. Right? That's dirt. It takes five years 
before it breaks ground. But the amazing thing about it is that on the once it breaks ground, it will only take five weeks before it grows up to about 90 feet. So the question is, when did the Chinese bamboo start growing? Was it on the fifth year? No. It started growing when you started. When you put it in there. So there's a lot of that for us. Long suffering in our lives for us believers. For us as we lift things up to God. As we pray to God. As we ask Him to change our ways. To change my situation. Rescue me from, from this difficult circumstance. Change me, Lord God, so I can deal with my spouse. Change me to a better parent so I can deal with my children. Change me to be, become a better child to my parents. You know, it's when we say change me, when we pray for God to change us first, it's quicker for God to respond to that than for us to pray, change my wife, Lord. She's been like this for many years. That'll take forever. That prayer to be answered. Because us who's praying needs to be the one to humble ourselves and say, I'm not perfect. I'm sure I'm not doing something right here, Lord. Please change my ways. Change me. Change on how I see it. Help me to be long-suffering. As much as the it takes many years for the Chinese bamboo to go, it takes many years for some, sometimes, from time to time for God to respond to us. Do you guys remember of the story of Noah, correct? Noah, when he was told about the flood, how long did it take before the flood actually came down? A hundred years. A hundred years. And if, if Noah, again, have uh, neighbors like myself who likes, I'm a scuffer, you know, I like to always make fun of people. So I, people were probably making fun of him. Where's the flood, dude? It's been 99 years, Noah. I don't think the flood's coming. How about Joshua and Caleb? They were told that they will be the only ones to enter the, the, the promised land. How long did it take them before that promise? 40 years. Eight plus for you. <laughs> How about Abraham? How long did, it, did Abraham have his promised child after the promise was given? 25 years. Golly. American believers are like, wow, man, this is, what does Buddhism teach? Isn't faster there? <laughs> Time to switch faith, right? Because it's taking forever in Christianity. How about Joseph? Joseph the dreamer. After he had the dream where his, his folks and his children uh, were, were kneeling down on, uh, to him, and then he told his, his brothers and his family, and then they said, oh, that's a great dream. We'll murder you, right? That's, that's basically what happened. How long did it take before that dream happened? actually happened 22 years folks <laughs> no 22 years it takes a long time there's no rushing God when we lift it up to him we trust him amen we trust that he heard our prayers he knows if he needs to answer it or not and he knows when the best time is amen and if we force it if we force it, like the wife of Abraham having her great idea, you know what? God's promise is not going to happen. Sleep with my maid servant. 
And then Abraham's most obedient time in his life said, which one? Your idea, your pick, right? We need to be patient with the Lord. We need to be prayerful. We need to trust Him. Our faith plus our long-suffering comes God's promise. Our faith in God must it will produce our long-suffering. And our faith plus our long-suffering always equivalents to His promise. Do you want a faithful spouse? Do you want your spouse to change? Lift him up or her to God. Do you want your marriage to change and turn around? Lift it up to God and wait on God. But more importantly, you need to have faith in God. And we need to be walking side by side with the Lord in order for the Spirit to produce that long-suffering as we wait on the Lord. And lastly, James 5, 7 to 8. Waiting for the Lord. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. Be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. I don't know about you, but I can't wait for God to come. But at the same time, I'm grateful that He didn't come yet. Those many days and many times that I asked for Him to come, it's when I was getting desperate with my life. I'm so glad that He didn't because I've seen lives turn to Him years and days after. Isn't it wonderful that God doesn't always answer our prayers? Because if we're all going to be honest, we've asked for stupid things. Lord, take me now. Just because we're having a, a hard time with our spouse, where we pray that prayer. Lord, take me now. I can't handle this anymore. You're having a hard time at work. You're like, Lord, take me now. Just because you're working an extra hour, you want him to take you. Good thing he didn't answer that prayer, right? Lord, take my wife now. Take my husband now. And then when you guys were all lovey-dovey again, you're like, oh, Lord, I'm so glad you didn't answer that prayer. <laughs> Even without God's help, people, people can learn. You know what? This is the truth. Even without God's help, people, people can learn to be calm and be patient. Much of, the, much of the time and most of the time because they see the advantages behind it. But these good intentions and good habits are not nearly as powerful as God's supernatural gift of long-suffering. Good interpersonal relationships depend on you doing your best, plus trusting God with the rest. We human beings are pitif pitifully incomplete without God's Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, is the one to produce this gift of long-suffering in us. It is only produced if we walk by the Spirit, hand-in-hand, side-by-side, with Him and through Him. Remembering, knowing that God was, was and is a long-suffering God, God towards us and are with all our imperfections, 
we need to also be the same way towards other people. Long-suffering is not only being patient for a long time, but also being forgiving endlessly. Knowing Christ is knowing that He suffered long and is forgiving and loving. A perfect being, loving an imperfect being like us, it took Him long-suffering. If we love God, we are told to love others. And that love is proven with us being and practicing living a life of long-suffering. That's our message tonight. My prayer is that we will all realize that in this life of trouble and the challenges that we face, we need to be long-suffering for God, with God, and through God. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your message this evening. We thank you for your truth, Lord God. We thank you for the gift of the spirit of long-suffering, Lord God. Father, help us to walk by you and to obey you, Father God, in every single situation that you put us through. Help us, more importantly, to be patient, Lord God, when, especially when it is needed, when we are about to lose it, Lord. Help us, Father God. We know that you love us, Lord, and with that love, Lord, you suffered a long time in a very tremendous way. And we are forever grateful for that. Help us to be the same way for others, Lord God. Help us to be loving to those who are unloving to those who don't deserve our love, Lord. Help us to produce this spirit. Help us, Lord God, to be loving and long-suffering for your glory and yours alone. In Jesus' name we pray.